más que nunca y no sé qué hacer Despierto y te recuerdo al amanecer Espera otro día por vivir sin ti El espejo no miente te veo tan diferente, me haces falta tú. La gente pasa y pasa siempre tan igual. El ritmo de la vida me parece mal. Cuando estabas tú Sí que era diferente Cuando estabas tú Welcome to Ornate Stairwell, the movie podcast. I'm Autumn, and I'm joined as always by Neve. Hi, I'm Neve. Um, or, or, or as some might say, Neoff. <laughs> Neoff. <laughs> <laughs> Still, like, so the thing is, you were like, oh, you should watch the Chris Remo crossword if you haven't yet. And I was like, oh, did he say my name really bad? Um, and then I watched it and I'm just so used to the things that Americans will do to my name that I was like, you know what? He didn't say like Nima or Niam. So like, (laughs) I'll give it to you, Chris Remo. It's still not right, but (laughs) I was mostly just amused by it. Um, it, it was just funny how he really hit the two syllables. Um, it being a lilted one-syllable name. Um, anyway. Um, we we watched movies. I watched movie. Did you watch a movie? You watch anything this week? Um, I just finished watching a movie, but otherwise, no. <laughs> um, I have been editing a lot of ghost divers mm-hmm. um i also got into building um gunpla so i've also been doing that and not watching movies um Fair. i did watch the first three episodes i think i like half watched them with emily of the only murderers in the building um a tv show about like people trying to start a true cl- crime podcast um and that show doesn't seem to understand what podcasts are. 
they oh, yeah. film me they film themselves every time they record that's not what podcasts are <laughs> no there are there are people who do that we call those <laughs> cis people <laughs> no no i'm not saying that they are on a call and then recording themselves like just like have the video on while they're talking I'm saying they are sitting alone in a room recording video of themselves. Oh, that's disgusting. Not on the podcast with someone else, just recording their part. Whoever made the show does not know how podcasts work. I mean, I'm sure it's closer to how some, like, super high polished stuff is, but, um, yeah, I find it incredibly funny. <laughs> <laughs> um... I, um, what was I going to say? I was going to say something before I talked about the movie I watched. I can't remember what it was now. Um, oh, um, if listeners care about this at all, I spent more time than I care to admit to today, um, going and just like cleaning up our spreadsheet. The colors are a lot prettier now. Um, uh, they're more thematic. Um, and like, I was driving myself nuts with the, like, inconsistent way that I was, like, sometimes using original titles and sometimes using translated titles, so I cleaned all that up, um, which led me to learn all about the differences between Cantonese and Mandarin as I tried to figure out the appropriate way to put In the Mood for Love in this spreadsheet, but I did it. Um, yeah, we, I... <laughs> for that one in particular, we settled on just doing the characters, um... Mm-hmm. A thing about languages is that they are fraught. Um, yes. And so, like, but I I don't want to do the often solution that happens, which is like, well, we'll just do the, like, U.S. title because yeah. that sucks. <laughs> um, yeah. But, that... so, yeah, I feel like the, the general rule is, like, we've been doing anglicized stuff where there's, like, a fairly accepted here is, like, the Romanized pronunciation spelling mm-hmm. of it um but there are definitely going to be movies that we encounter where it's like no the like in the mood for love i don't think is quite this but there are definitely movies where even like the fact that you could pronounce the titles differently depending on like where you are is like a thing that happens sometimes so <laughs> i mean so like um the reason that i care about this at all is because like um oh i need to put it i need to fix no regrets for a youth i'm gonna do that while i'm talking um the thing i care the reason i care about this at all is that like i for some of the movies that we covered i like the um original titles better i like um you know teenage uh teenage nate's uh uh better as a title than rebels of the neon god i like um better as a title um and so i was doing this and like in the process of figuring this out i found out that like um the the um cantonese title for in the mood for love translates to the the flower years um or like something like youth in bloom um there was like a a flowery sort of like uh language to it that that it like evoked both like oh like this is a really beautiful time and also like flowers wilt flowers don't live forever you know and i thought that was really like i thought that was really interesting i also thought the, the um 
it came from like some 1946 film that Wong Kar Wai really liked. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And so I wanted that to be reflected in the spreadsheet. And then I'm like looking into, I'm like, okay, well, in Hong Kong, they principally use Cantonese. And in mainland China, they principally use Mandarin. And like the ways that like Cantonese and Mandarin get Romanized are very different. And, uh, you know, there's lots of politics and history. And you start, (laughs) you know, um... Yeah, I, you know, um, decided to just put the characters in there rather than romanize it. Whereas like with a Mandarin title like uh, Rebels of the Neon God, we're just going to put the romanized stuff or like Hepburn is just like a very, very like acceptable, like not fraught way of like romanizing the Japanese language. And so we're just putting the Hepburn in there. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah so that was an interesting little way to spend my afternoon and i want people to look at the spreadsheet because uh then i won't feel like i wasted it (laughs) yeah it is also just a a useful spreadsheet again you can go there see what have we talked about like if you're trying to remember when did we like go way in on the accurate uh like volume one yeah, which was not when we talked about the movie. No, <laughs> like because I was you gonna can go read, check that. I was gonna read the whole manga to talk about the movie. I didn't do that. Yeah, I also didn't do that. I was also going to do that and didn't do that. <laughs> We're very busy people, <laughs> despite the despite the fact that we had ample time. Um, we didn't have ample time. That's why we weren't recording anyway. <laughs> um, but also, um. you can look ahead and see what we're doing coming up, which yeah. is probably nice if you want to like actually watch along and write in. Yeah. Um. Anyway, the movie I watched, um, which I watched this afternoon after um, I got home from doing some errands. I watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre because I was like, I want to watch something that's horror. Um, I feel... I feel like a weird feel weird about my like experience with the horror genre because I feel like I don't know much because I have often in my life hung out with people who know a lot about horror movies yeah. um like at all different periods of my life like that's true now that was true 10 years ago and I didn't know any of the people I know now so I've often been around people who are really into horror movies and i often feel bad because i'm like i don't know as much as people do and then i like look at like like i was going through letterboxd and i was looking at like the 100 most popular horror movies on letterboxd and i'd seen like a lot of them (laughs) like most of them not some of the recent stuff but like anything from like before 2010 i'd probably seen it um But there's still a lot of stuff I haven't seen, and so I was like, I need to go, like, there's some fucking classics I have not seen. Like, I have not seen a lot of the the classics of the slasher genre, generally. Like, that's just not something I know a ton about. So anyway, I put on um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That movie's fucking incredible. (laughs) This movie's fucking amazing. Y'all heard about Texas Chainsaw Massacre? It's good. (laughs) Um... I I feel like it's been a long time since I've seen it. Um, Also, there's just multiple versions, and in my head, some of them I think are 
commingled at this point. Yeah, I don't. I also like. I know a lot of people get really into like um, watching all the sequels for like long running horror franchises. I haven't ever done that other than I guess the Evil Dead movies, but that's like not the same thing because it's just like three movies, you know? Yeah. Um, that all have like the same guy at the helm. And so it's like pretty different from like the way that like, you know, Jason Voorhees just goes forever and ever. But yeah, um, yeah the first movie, it's like just under 90 minutes and um, like it's kind of everything you want from a horror movie. It's like, you know, um, 30, 45 ish minutes of like build up and not even like. Like, a lot of my favorite horror movies, um, I think Halloween does this really well. Um, I think Alien does this really well. It's not even build-up. It's just like, ah, oh, we're just having a normal day. Like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre starts with, like, oh, we're just gonna drive over to this, like, spooky house that, like, my dad owns. And we're just gonna, like, hang out in the spooky house. That's all. Yeah. Not that. It's not, like, build-up. It's not, like... Like, you know that someone's going to get Texas Chainsaw Massacred, but you don't, like, there's not tension in the early parts of the movie. And then they, like, go to the spooky house next door and, like, a guy in a leather face mask, like, kills someone immediately. I cheered when the first kill in this movie happens. I was like, fuck yeah, the movie's here now. (laughs) Um, And it's just, like, a ratcheting up of, like, violence and... um, you know, it's just everything you want from, like, this type of horror movie. I really like the, like, I really like when they pull off, like, the movies that start quiet. And then, you know, um, I think this movie's, like, very sudden introduction of, like, intense violence is, like, really fascinating and good. Um, and, yeah, it's, like, an hour and 25 minutes. So, you know, great movie to just, like, get home from running errands at 3 p.m. and be like, I want to watch a movie. I'm just going to put this on. Um, while you were describing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I realized that while I have seen the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, one of the things that has fused with in my head is the hills have eyes. <laughs> mm, okay. Um, I see how you get there. Yeah. Um. That is that Wes Craven. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Um. Although. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's a it's a 70s movie from like another one of these like hugely acclaimed like horror directors of the 70s and 80s i get i see how you get there for sure yeah um and there's just like a certain like oh you're going into a, a like creepy space that's not your own um it's just yeah <laughs> still a very different vibe the um for some reason like the house was something that was like in the desert that they went to i don't yeah <laughs> the um i i watched a lot of horror movies in like rapid succession in high school so <laughs> the thing about um texas chainsaw i thought that was like kind of refreshing in some ways was that like alien is a movie i've seen like a lot of times i really love alien alien yeah. is like a movie that is like about things like it is about like 
corporations and it is about like sexual violence. It is like thinking about sexual violence in um, like horror movies. And it is like also about very weird racial tensions that the like director and like the people making that movie like have a lot of like weird racialized like bad shit that I don't think they're really aware of. There's like a lot of like, you know, just gross racial stuff simmering under the surface of Alien. Alien is a movie about things. Halloween is a movie that's, like, about things. It's about suburbia. It's about, you know, um, nuclear families and all this. Uh, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre is about five teens who go into the wrong fucking house and get fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacred. (laughs) (laughs) Like, they go into the wrong place and a man with a chainsaw shows up and murders them. (laughs) No, no question, because again, it's been a while since I've watched it. Uh-huh. Do they notably fuck before they get murdered? Um, no. Two of them are like, like, some of them are flirty. Like, like there is like, oh, we're going to go over here and fuck, but they never actually do fuck. And it... it, it like, there is definitely this sort of, like, horror conservatism to um, this, but not half to the same extent that, like, this is the thing that, like, uh, Friday the 13th really seizes on. It, it You can definitely read Texas Chainsaw Massacre that way, but it's not that present, you know? Yeah, um, it's not because that sort of like becomes more present and then that's where you get a lot of these um, like psychoanalytic feminist reads about like the final girl and the the way that like sexuality is being positioned in these these slasher movies that are primarily about just watching horny teens get murdered. Um, right. And like like this has those tropes like there are teens who want to fuck the 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 girl who survives at the end is, like, a girl who um, doesn't fuck on screen, but she was definitely, like, open to fucking. She just got sidetracked because, like, all her friends were dying. Like, you know. Yeah. It's not as, like, intense as, like, the way that, like, I think Halloween and Friday the 13th, like, do it. And Friday the 13th is, like, really over the top in the, like, moralizing about what, like, women are allowed to do. You know? Yeah. Um... I think, like, Halloween is a movie that is, like, shaking its finger at, like, the heavy-handed moralizing of, like, Hollywood cinema, and Friday the 13th is a movie that is just doing heavy-handed moralizing. Yeah. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is just a movie where people get murdered. (laughs) Um, Um. Yeah. Do you have a stairwell to, to rate? I do. Um, I know that you do because you sent me photos of it. Or like <laughs> screenshots of it. Um, <laughs> there is... So in the spooky house that they're going to visit on purpose, there's a stairwell in the front. And it's like, oh, that's a stairwell. I like noticed it. I was like, okay. That's like a okay stairwell. You know? Um, yeah. There's stuff there, I guess. In the spooky house next door where the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Man lives, um, like, you open the front door and there is, like, 
spooky staircase like framing everything in this whole house like basically like because so much of the action happens from like you know like the this this first character goes in there is safe and he crosses the threshold into um the house and now he is no longer safe um and like all of that is framed by this stairwell that is in the like right by the front door um and you know he walks past the stairwell and gets murdered other characters like go up the stairwell and characters go down the stairwell a man runs up the stairwell with a chainsaw at one point there's like spooky like scary things sitting at the top of the stairwell like oh there's fucked up shit in the attic you know um it's very good very well used stairwell um I think I gave it an S. Also, it just looks nice. It looks really nice. Um, yeah, I gave it an S. Um, yeah. It's a good. It's a good looking stairwell. It's a great looking house. Um, clearly, they put a lot of time and work into like making that house look scary as shit, and it works. So nice. Um, speaking of horny teens. The segue would have worked better when I was talking about horny teens. Do we want to talk about Itumama Tambien now? <laughs> yes. Um, I should pull up the Wikipedia page for it. Um, so, for folks who don't know, um, I cannot type. <laughs> um, it's a 2001 Mexican road movie. Mm-hmm. Defected, um, directed by Alfonso Cuaron, uh, people are probably most familiar most familiar with him from um, Gravity, Children of Men, and Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, like three pretty successful movies, all kind of back to back there. Um, yeah. Um, if you're me, you're most familiar with him from Itumama Tamien. <laughs> Yes, Itumatami <laughs> is a very like successful movie. You know, like yeah. this was a huge hit, um, for sure. So, um, this movie is about two teens named um, Julio and Tencho, um, who are just rich kids. They just suck. They, they you know. They're they're fucking like, you know, they don't see that like one of them hasn't seen his dad in forever because his like, you know, his, the wait staff at his home raised him. Um, you know, the other's dad is like, you know, a high ranking corporate executive at some company, you know, um, they uh, they oh, I said his name wrong. It's Tenoch, not Tencho. Tenoch. Um, um, they're just awful rich kids and they hang out all the time and they like jerk off together, but like f far apart, five feet apart because yeah. they're not gay. Um, yeah. and there's just like doing drugs every day, hanging out. Their girlfriends are both in Europe. Um, and for the summer, like, doing study abroad shit or whatever. And they are bored, and they go to this party that their parents want them to go to. Um, 
where the president is going to be, and they meet this random lady um, who is, like, upper class enough to be, like, at this party, but only because she, like, is married to a guy who's actually, like, upper class, and she doesn't yeah. really fit in here quite, you know? Um, yeah, and I think it's, is it Tenoch's cousin, I think, that she's married to? Yes, she is married to Tenoch's cousin, yeah. so. Um... And they're like, basically, they're bored and they're like, we're going to hit on this girl. Uh, we're going to hit on this older lady we see at this party because she's hot. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't go well. That night, um, and one, one of the ways that they hit on her is like, we're going to go to this beach. Do you want to come? It's like the coolest beach ever. It's like the best beach you've ever seen. It's not one of these tourist trap beaches. She's like, no. Um, <clears throat> and that night... Um, her fiance, Tenoch's cousin, calls and is like, I've been cheating on you. And she's like, I know. Uh, and she decides to, she decides, you know what, fuck it. Um, I'm gonna, you know, hang out with these teens. I'm gonna just go have a lot of sex with, like, these young guys and just Miami summer. Have a great time. Um, and the teens are like, oh shit, we didn't, we didn't have any plans to go to a beach. We were just making that up. Yeah, oh, we shit. literally made up the the name of this beach. <laughs> <laughs> but they go and along the way, you know, they argue, they learn about each other, they argue more, they learn more about each other. Um Tenoch reveals that he uh Tenoch fucks uh Luisa, um the MILF lady and then comes Julio. instantly and cannot give head <laughs> to significant points. <laughs> Two significant points. There's a lot of sex in this movie. The very yeah. first shot of the movie is sex. Um, yeah, that's the first shot is I think Tenoch having sex with his girlfriend and I they're think talking that, about how they're not going to fuck other people. Um, I think, <laughs> and I might be wrong about this. I would need to rewatch the movie. I think the first shot of the movie is Tenoch having sex with Julio's girlfriend. Um, and then we cut to the reverse. I could be wrong about that. I could be misremembering. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because, yeah, like, the whole thing is that, like, they're, you know, he has sex with Luisa, and then Julio, to get back at him, is like, I fucked your girlfriend, and then they're mad at each other, and then she's just she's like still just trying to have a good time. She yeah, fucks Julio. But now they're fighting. So she's <laughs> like, well, the only way to fix this is to fuck the other boy. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> and um the other boy gets mad, he's like, Well, I fucked your girlfriend, and then they get more mad, and you know, she she is fucking done with it. She's like, I'm an adult. I did not think I was gonna be like babysitting two children. I thought I was going to like, you know have this like dumb sex road trip and then go home you know (laughs) that's what she wanted um she wanted to come and notably both of them just instantly come like she's not getting the satisfaction (laughs) (laughs) um so she she like basically gets them both to shut the fuck up they get to the beach They have a great time. They meet some locals. They're, you know, 
the locals are very nice to Louisa. They don't seem to like um, the boys at all, but, you know, <laughs> Louisa is very sweet to them. Um, and, you know, things escalate a little bit and the boys decide to forgive each other. Um, and then they have a three-way that mostly involves the guys making out. <laughs> you know? Yeah. This three-way mostly ends up being about, um, those two, like, working through <laughs> unresolved tensions. Um, yeah, you didn't mention it previously, and I'm assuming it's because we're gonna really go more in depth, yeah. but when they're both fighting, and after she's had sex with both of them, she's yeah. like... Why don't you just fuck each other? Because you clearly want to. <laughs> <laughs> just says the damn thing. <laughs> um, they <laughs> after they kiss. Um, there was a lot of stuff between them that was going unsaid, and now more stuff goes way more unsaid <laughs> in a much bigger way. They like basically like they're like. You know, um, Luisa's like, oh, I want to hang out at the beach for a few more days. And they're like, oh, I have to go home immediately. And he's like, I have to go home immediately, too. And they, like, drive home and, like, don't speak to each other, you know. Yeah. Um, and they gradually stop hanging out. And, um, you know, they both break up with their girlfriends and they get new girlfriends. Um, and, like, basically, they almost never talk again, except we get a little epilogue scene where um, they see each other. It's very awkward it's very unpleasant um yeah and tencho is like uh no tenoch tenoch why do i keep saying tencho <laughs> tenoch um because you know his cousin um was luisa's fiance um tenoch uh tells julio like luisa died she had cancer um that was her whole like reason for going on this trip is that she just wanted to have like a good time before she passed away and she passed away like a month after um they left and she just like stayed at that beach with those locals she was hanging out with the whole time and it's like very sad and then they never speak to each other again and um i could not ask for a more stairwells movie if i tried <laughs> <laughs> um yeah this it was it was so funny to me that you hadn't seen it, and you're like, "Yeah, we could, we could like also watch his first film, or we could watch Itu Mama Damien." And I'm like, "We, we should watch Itu Mama Damien." <laughs> it's literally the the part where we were talking about um, in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, the part where they like go on vacation and they're just like, like they're like on the train, and we kind of just get that montage of like, oh, they're like hanging out, and they're like both basically fucking this girl and doing it so that they could just fuck each other is like really what they're doing but they're they're kind of fucking this girl to like do that um it's like if that was just the, the movie um mm -hmm. and then also kind of refuted our like unspoken thesis which is just if the guys in the movie fucked it would fix their problems which it does not fix their problems yeah because the problem <laughs> there is a lot of like physical tension between these two like, mm -hmm. they, <laughs> once again, cannot stress this enough. In an early scene in the movie, they're laying on diving boards, like, each on different diving boards, ten feet apart, 
both jerking off at the same time and telling each other stuff to jerk off to, like Selma Hayek, oh, the art teacher, you know, um, <laughs> you know. There's also the scene where they're in the shower, I think, like, after they've been in the pool or something. Uh-huh. Um, after, I think it's after they swim in the pool and they compete against each other. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then they're in the shower, and then, like, one of them gets out and the other one's, like, talking about the other one's dick, and then he's like, I forget what he says it's like about sucking dicks or something and they're like he's like yours is like small and ugly and he's like well you know why don't you blow it then or something you know yeah <laughs> um and then he's like no you know faggot ha -ha, blah, blah, blah. Fag. Yeah. <laughs> um and they're trying to whip you with the towel fag <laughs> and they're talking you know um Oh, we used to be friends with this guy named Daniel, but he totally ended up being a fag. And, like, in the epilogue scene, they're like, yeah, Daniel, he's pretty happy. You know, um, he just has a boyfriend yeah. and is, like, doing well. <laughs> Meanwhile, these two are, like, fucking miserable. Because the problem <laughs> is that there is a lot of physical tension between them. They do just need to fuck. Um, fucking does not just solve the problem where, like, men are incapable of, like, expressing their feelings towards each other and would rather yeah. like lose the most precious and beautiful friendship in their life than um ever speak <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah um it it's just incredible how much that's what this movie is <laughs> um yeah that one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie is um, it's after um, Luisa's had sex with both of them and they're like fighting in the car about, um, you know, how they slept with each other's girlfriends and everything um, and driving and like she just gets fed up with it um, and basically like has them stop the car and it's just like like sort out all of your shit like neither of you is good at sex like learn what cunnilingus is <laughs> like um just please like work on endurance like both of you come instantly <laughs> um like also like you clearly just want to fuck each other and just do it and <laughs> just like storms off um and it's one of these just incredible moments where it's just like Obviously, she's still just, like, trying to have this, like, fun fling thing, but there's just this moment of her just being, like, I just can't deal with, like, fucking horny teen boys who want to fuck each other and don't know how to have sex <laughs> with, with like, girls either. <laughs> um. <laughs> but it's also just... It's fucking great because, like, they're having sex all the time. Like, mm -hmm. they're fucking their girlfriends. They're fucking each other's girlfriends. They have a lot of sex. The problem is that they're, like, two self-absorbed rich kids to, like, ever think about anything other than, like, coming as quickly as possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's, like, a way... There's, like, a... A way that I think you could maybe read this movie as them being, like, gay men who, like, um, are having sex with women as a sort of, like, perfunctory thing. I think you could read the movie that way. 
I think the way that I read this movie is that they are attracted to women. They're just very bad at having sex with women. <laughs> just exceptionally bad at it. Um, I have some fun additional context that I don't know if you know. This this was provided to me by Joao. Okay. Um. So one, the the actors who play uh, Julio and Tenoch are like before this movie was filmed, were friends and like remain friends to this day. Mm-hmm. Um. In fact, the actor who played Julio like convinced Quaron to hire this is stuff that I found on research. This is not the part that, that Juo said, but convinced um Quaron to hire the actor who plays Tenoch because they had such a strong existing friendship that it would make the performance of their characters like easier. <laughs> oh shit. So they're so young in this. I did not recognize Gael Garcia Bernal. I just yeah. did not Oh my god. <laughs> He's so young in this movie. I didn't recognize him. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that that is one of the things that I think is also funny going into this. A movie that is, again, about how these two boys want to fuck each other. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that... that <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen him as Che in two different movies. I didn't even realize that he was Che in both of those. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> Um, yeah, that, that it was, like, specifically, like, we already have this, this relationship that will make us be able to sell this better. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 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 but the other part, mm-hmm. th- this is what comes from Zhuo. Um, so, in between when we said that we were gonna do Itumamatamian, and then when we watched this, news stories broke in, like, you know... Mexico and other Spanish-speaking parts of, like, South America, that the two actors, Gael Garcia Bernal and Diego Luna, were exposed for stealing money from the government and other institutions for years with a project called Ambulante, um, (laughs) as well as a earthquake uh, charity. Apparently, it's been going on since 2005. (laughs) So both of these actors just like are who they're playing, basically. Just shitty rich kids. <laughs> it's just an an additional incredible detail here. <laughs> well, so okay. So this ties into like the other element of the movie that I think like is like really notable notab- notable and also is like the sort of thing that like was hard for me to latch onto this first time as I am trying to, like, just take in sort of, like, the plot and, like, what these characters are doing. The other, like, big element of this movie is that it is a movie coming out in 2001. It is set in 1999. Um, That is, like, it is months before the first election in 70-some years, uh where the PRI, um, the governing, like, the one of the, like, political parties in Mexico has held the presidency for 70-some years, um, like, since the revolution. And, like, this is set, like, months before that. And there is voiceover that will be, like, they, they meet, um, 
you know, this local family and, you know, we hang out with this local family and we see them all, you know, having a good time. And then the voiceover will cut in and be like, ah, you know, economic hardship, like, fell upon this family and they would never get to do the stuff that they loved again. And, you know, they'll all be arguing about, like, you fucked my girlfriend, I fucked your girlfriend, blah, blah, blah. Um, And then the voiceover will interrupt to be like, and they were driving past, you know, um, somewhere where, like, a bus got overturned and, um, you know, three people died and here's how they died. You know, there is the sort of, like, um, the, like, at the turn of the millennium, like, Mexico was going through like, a lot of, like, social upheaval um, that is sort of the backdrop of this movie. And I think it's, like, important that it is a backdrop, both in the sense that, like, you know, I think it is, like, important thematically, and also, like, I think it is purposefully trying to be, like, less attention-grabby, less flashy than, like, this story of, like, these two teens who, like, you know, just need to fuck it out. You know, um, yeah, um, but it was also it, it, it's like you go, you go. Yeah, I was gonna like so often too. Like there are the parts where the audio like all but drops out, and they mm-hmm. do these like, oh, we're gonna tell you about something that happened here, or what's gonna happen to these characters that they're they're with in like so many years or we're going to like briefly tell you about the thought process of one of the main characters um, in this moment. Like what were they thinking? Another thing that happens quite often is the camera will like, there'll be stuff happening and then the camera will just start following like one of the servants Mm -hmm. as they move around. And at first it's like servants in the home um, and it might follow them to here's another scene where like, one of the other teenage boys is doing something. Um, but we like follow the servant like through the house to get there. Um, and then we also get these parts where it'll be like, Oh, they're just stopped at a restaurant. And then we just follow the like waitress back. And then here's like, what's going on with the family that owns the restaurant for like a brief moment. And then it'll just cut back to like whatever's happening. Um, and so it kind of just like keeps digressing off of it, but never, like it, it's very intentional. I think about showing you how they are like coming across all of the stuff that's happening and yet how unaffected they are really by it. Um, especially as it goes on, there are more and more shots of them like driving and then the camera will just turn and watch as like people with guns are getting out of a truck or something. Yeah. Um, and they just drive on. Right. Mm. They're always like nervous that the police are going to, like stop the car and like take their marijuana that they have in the car or whatever. Um, and really these like stops seem to be like there, there are, there's political unrest happening. Yeah. And they're not going to stop the rich kids who have an anarchy symbol in their window. Yeah. Um, the, the <laughs> Like the cops look at them and the cops can see, like the cops see them and they see like, Oh, there's some, there's some rich kids and like, yeah, the cops are here to, like, carry out the U.S.'s war on drugs. You know, the cops are yeah. not here to bother some kids with weed. Um, Especially some rich kids. Yeah, you know? yeah. No, 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 no. If these were, like, visibly lower class kids, they'd get stopped. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's anyway, just... The, 
that was a slight digression, but like into some of even the way that this film like constructs, like what are the shots that it's even doing around this? So, um, um, can I one of one of my favorite podcasts, Just King Things, um, does you know bonus episodes where they talk about movies um and i've been listening to it and i'm i feel very jealous i feel like like i just feel like it's a very good movie podcast and i just like want to capture some of the energy that they have sometimes and today on an episode i was listening to uh cameron was like reading like oh here's a bunch of other movies um that this uh person has edited in addition to the movie we're covering and it was just very funny to me because Hollywood careers are funny sometimes. Yeah. Um, can I read to you um, like a little bit about Emmanuel Lubezki's career? Because I feel like the way that he shoots this movie is like important and I like want to talk about it. But also I just find his career very funny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so he gets to start with uh, Cuaron um, doing this movie and Solo con tu pareja before it. Um, he does like Water for Chocolate, which is another like... Huge, hugely acclaimed uh, Mexican movie of the 1990s um, does does like starts getting into Hollywood stuff in the 90s. Um, you know, he does um, reality bites, apparently. <laughs> um, he does the birdcage, which is like a better movie than I think people know. Um, yeah. Kind of a stairwells movie. Kind of a stairwells honest. movie a little bit. Um, he does this movie. Um he does Ali, the Michael Mann like biopic of. Um... <laughs> I'm just gonna read you. Okay, 2001. He does this movie. He also does Ali, um, which is like a movie that like I think got nominated for some like Oscars. Doesn't make him. Doesn't work on anything in 2002. 2003, The Cat Man. <laughs> 2004, Lemony Snicket's a series of unfortunate events. 2006, wait, Children of two Men. Th- wait, wait. 2004, Lemony Snicket's a series of unfortunate events and the assassination of Richard Nixon. 2006, Children of Men. 2011, The Tree of Life. 2013, um, his first Oscar for Gravity. 2014, his second Oscar for Birdman. I just love that the guy who does Tree of Life, Birdman, and Gravity <laughs> stopped by the cat in the hat in a series of unfortunate events. <laughs> That's all. That's great. Um, honestly, so, like, I watched Itumama Tambien around the time it was coming out. Mm-hmm. Um in a way where <laughs> when it was announced that he was directing Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, I was like, the Road Trip Threesome movie guy? <laughs> <laughs> this is also um, because because Gravity comes out when I am like at my peak of like, ah, I'm like a film person. I really liked Gravity. Um, and I think gr- I had seen children of men i had seen um prisoner of azkaban but i was not aware of like cuaron as a director so the very first time that you go and look at cuaron's um 
<laughs> the very first time you go and look at his um, Wikipedia page, and you're like, "There's the there's the threesome movie, and then there's Harry Potter." Right after it, <laughs> it's such a great career. Um, um, a, a really funny. At some point, we might might watch something from uh, Baltasar Karmak here, mm-hmm. um, who is an Icelandic director. Um, let me just like pull this up and um so one of the ones that i I feel like would be most likely to watch is 101 reykjavik um which is based on like a a really big novel as well um i think also has teens pining over a a hot older woman so (laughs) some thematic Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm, lining there um and then uh so i think he does a little trip to heaven, and I believe this is the one that um, Mark Wahlberg saw and was like, "I like that movie." Um, it was either that or or Jar City. What then happens is this like series of he's doing stuff in Iceland that are like him doing these like more art house cinema stuff. And then also doing like <laughs> big budget or not big budget, but like smaller Hollywood movies, often primarily funded by Mark Wahlberg, who's just decided to be friends with him. <laughs> and the best one is Two Guns, which is an American buddy cop action film starring Denzel Washington and Mark Wahlberg, notably known as the movie where every single commercial, all of the posters is just Mark Wahlberg and Denzel Washington back to back shooting all the money that's flying through the air. <laughs> um, it's yeah, it's a like very funny career in a similar way for me. <laughs> um, and also, one of my favorite uh, experiences going to a theater was I went to see Two Guns with friend of the pod, um, Alex of Swim Fans, and we went to a Panda Express before we went and got fortune cookies. <laughs> And my fortune cookie said, keep your expectations reasonable. And that's the <laughs> that's the best f- fortune I've ever gotten. And also extremely appropriate for two guns. <laughs> um, um, anyway, I also did Everest, that movie about like oh. that guy climbing Everest or whatever. <laughs> huh. um, so to get back to the movie... <laughs> Uh, um, sorry, <laughs> I'm just very tickled by this. Um, so so like, I really love how they shoot this movie. Um, I think it's you know, um, it's maybe like passe to like be a big um Lubeski fan in. 2021 when he is just coming off like three consecutive um three consecutive oscars for for best uh cinematography 2013 2014 2015 um it is um i think a little you know like out of fashion to be really into uh lubezki but i think he's remarkable (laughs) You know, and I think like the 
I don't really like Birdman very much because I feel sometimes like Lubeski is like showing off a bit too much, um, purposefully so. Um, in this movie, he's doing some of those same sorts of things. There are some exceptionally long takes in this movie. Um, but they feel a lot more purposeful and a lot less showy in this movie than I think they have in some of his more recent work. Um, the one that really caught me, and I was, it really caught me because, um, uh, we got that email, I don't remember who sent it in, a couple weeks ago asking for, like, you know, favorite long takes. And, like, this is exactly the sort of thing I was talking about. Um, there is a scene right before they actually just go ahead and have the three way, you know. Um, yeah, where they're all like getting drinks, having, you know, you know, some a little bit of food and they're making up, you know, they're forgiving each other for um, being bad at sex and they're forgiving each other for fucking each other's like uh, f- fucking each other's girlfriends. And one of them says, I fucked your mom, too, um, which is like where the title comes from, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, and. Like, th- this whole, like, this minutes-long, like, sequence of them just, like, kind of getting mad at each other, but, like, it, oh, we're just having some drinks and it's fine now, um, like, is one long sequence, and then at some point, um, Luisa stands up and, like, goes over to, like, put something on the jukebox, and she, like, turns to the camera and dances, and all of that from, like, them minutes and minutes of them just talking to like her going to put on the jukebox to her dancing is like a one really long take and it was like fucking remarkable because it's like what i was talking about like that i love that are just like oh it's just about letting actors like do the thing and like not have to like you know you we don't have to shoot you know a hundred takes because we need to get coverage and we don't have to like you know redo everything constantly because it's shot reverse shot and so we have to act out the scene so many times they just get to do the scene and it's really fucking good (laughs) yeah um Um, and it like also just again like you you get them kind of moving around within the frame you've got the like uh fisherman in the distance like drinking with his buddies or something and they keep like shouting at him being like blowjobs <laughs> are great right <laughs> or whatever um and that like in this way where like god he must like fucking hate these stupid teens. <laughs> um they're so but awful. yeah <laughs> and it, yeah it's just it's fantastic like One is, like, you get the actors doing the thing, and then also it just lets you, like, take in the space of, like, here they are in, like, these rich kids and this not nearly as rich woman, but also, like... Well, there's, there's also yeah, and like notably, we have, I don't think we've mentioned this yet, but it's, like, from Spain. Yes, that's well. the other thing. Like, the the other thing is that, like, um... I don't want to like speak out of my depth here, but like whiteness is like a very complicated thing in Mexico. Um, that often has more to do with like, from what I understand, like more to do with like class than actual, like 
skin tone a lot of the time. Um, and like proximity to like Spanish relatives is like a big part of that. Um, and the way that like the, they're able to tell the story of like, here are all these rich kids. And then like, you know, putting in like less well-to-do people in the frame and like not making them the center of the frame, not like, you know, let's whip the camera around and like focus on, you know, these less well-to-do people and like, you know, their skin tones being different. Um, and that like, you know, being the cause of, you know, their social standing versus these kids, you know, it's, it's much more subtle than that. Um, but it's really fucking good. <laughs> yeah. Um, like one thing that even stood out to me, um, in that, in that scene in particular, I think is when it happens where she talks about like, oh, it's so great. You like live in this beautiful country. Um, and throughout so much of the film, it has been their ability to just pass with ease through like all of this, all these other lives that are happening and all these other lives that are like grappling with, with. I think like more um, completely like life changing, like, you know, going to lose like my way of life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Or again, like we see people getting out of a truck with guns and things. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these police stops clearly are not just like, Oh, you know, looking for some unruly teens. Like they're like, there are things that are happening in the background that they can, can kind of pass through. And she, even as like not being quite as rich as these teens and not quite as much of an asshole is still coming at it. I think, and the film like, um, brings this up repeatedly, like from this kind of tourist perspective of like, Oh, I'm just having fun in Mexico. Um, and I think towards the very end, when she's like hanging out with with the fisherman, um, is I think starting to like, you know, and as we learn, also is aware that she's dying, um, mm-hmm. which then like adds poignancy to the scene where they're they're all sitting on the beach, and she's like, "Do you ever just wish that you could live forever?" Mm-hmm. Um, and is like, you know, playing with the kids of the the fisherman's wife, and then like. You know, his wife is like, oh, you would be a great mom. You should think about having kids. And all of that, like, gains this extra weight when you're like, oh, she's, like, grasping at something. Um, But I think it also is still playing with, like, the way that even she, I think she's coming at some of the stuff, like, my read from a better place than these boys are. It's also still kind of just, like, using Mexico to, to, you know like have this experience and be like, Oh, like, let me like pretend that this life rather than like actually really engaging with what's going on. Um, and I think like all of the characters are kind of doing that to some extent. Um, they're all like wrapped up in themselves and, mm. and she's the one that I can like be most sympathetic toward, but all three of them are very like self-absorbed. Mm. <laughs> um, She's just the most mature about being self-absorbed. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I and I think, like, I think in some ways the movie is, like, 
trying to make a point about like um the things that you get to make a movie about in some ways um like it's 2001 you just can't it's it's 2001 and you just cannot like make the movie that is about like you know um for for 70 years we were governed by the you know the institutional revolutionary party and you know they were swept out of office uh after 70 years by like a right-wing populist movement um like that's like a thing that happened you can't make a movie about that you can't sell that movie in the united states no one fucking cares no one fucking cares when in my entire time and like being aware of this movie i have known it as like the threesome road trip movie not as like the movie that is about those things um and i think like in some ways like the self-absorption of like ah you know all these things are happening in the country let's talk about yeah but let's focus on these two teens and like the milf they're hanging out with um who are all kind of like just going through something that doesn't really matter all that much um (laughs) i think is in some ways like commenting on the audience a little bit of like you know there's all this shit that's going on, but you just want to come to the movies and escape, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it's just good. It's a good fucking movie. Um, um, the other thing, it, like, just at the time, it it felt less, it felt less even, like, now it feels even more pronounced watching this because of how this is, like, the specific way that they are that guy also feels at one point, like these guys still exist, I'm sure. Um, but also just like the specific version that they are is like when I was a teen <laughs> and, you know, I, I grew up in a very small, like poor rural town and then mm-hmm. moved to a far wealthier suburban town that had like farmland around it. And so my school was like, that I went to was far more mixed class in a way that like previously it was just all poor kids. And so like, I didn't perceive class. Um, and they were definitely just incredibly rich kids at my school who were these guys, um, who like really played at a sense of like poverty or of like, Oh, like my car's all beat up or whatever. Right. right. And it's like, um and it's like no you're like fucking rich um and you're like this specific type of 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 person i think is like one i feel like it is probably there are things of it that are probably specific to like mexico at the time but also really really watching this reminded me of being in high school and hanging out with the like pothead rich kids who you know, we're all like bumming around the school and then you would like go to smoke pot at their house. And like, it was a mansion and their mom like bought them a vaporizer so that they could do it safely or whatever. And you're just like, what the fuck is your life? (laughs) Um, Right. (laughs) And it's just extremely that vibe from these kids. Um, I would fucking hate these kids if I met them in person (laughs) so much. Um, They're fucking awful. 
Um, also, um, like, I guess, like, I have another, like, broader point about the movie that, like, I was really surprised at how well they did the twist at the end where it turns out Louisa had cancer. Um, it just worked really well for me. Um, I think it, like, I think it is, I can imagine this feeling like a very cheap thing, a very, like, last minute, like, oh, here's a tear tearjerker um before you go but it feels like a thing that just like adds a lot of meaning to the rest of the movie without taking anything away from it you know um in a way that's like really interesting and like i think this is probably a movie that works a lot better on like a second viewing where like I'll be able to take in more of the, like, political commentary that's going on and able to, like, you know, notice all the sort of stuff about, like, um, you know, oh, her, she is, like, going through this, like, aware that she is going to die at the end of it, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's all. Yeah, I, I, I think part of what also makes it work is that the way it's conveyed is kind of just in this like awkward catching up. Um, We don't really get much else. I think we get a little bit of like the voiceover just explaining that, like she gave the the little doll or whatever that said Louisa on it to um, the little girl. But for the most part, it is this really awkward catching up where they can't talk about the like, feelings that they have for each other and then them just being like oh she died also the like guy who he said is a total queen or whatever um oh yeah like family like disowned him oh that sucks well no like he actually seems pretty happy he's got a boyfriend they're living together (laughs) right um and it's like it's all in that milieu of just like that conversation that um i think also helps keep it from like getting too saccharine right and like because the scene is like it's the, the epilogue scene is not like oh and also this character died the epilogue scene is like both of that and also the sort of like final piece on this like conflict between the two like kids about like are we ever going to just like talk about our feelings for each other no okay we're just never going to see each other again like there's a lot of things going on in that scene that are not just like wandering in to like drop a bomb on you and wandering out you know yeah um, I don't know how, how much more I have to say about this movie. No, um, we didn't talk really about aesthetics movie. as much as we have been lately, but like, yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit about kind of yeah the way that it constructs some of the shots. Um, yeah. It is a, a really well shot film. Yeah, um, I think so. And I, with a certain subtlety that, again, I think some of his his like later 
um, works sort of go beyond. But um, yeah, the best for sure. Specifically, um, the again this this film is far more comfortable just like letting the shot kind of look good and not making a big deal about it. <laughs> yeah, kind of exactly. Loved. And and. Oh, I, I, I remember why I brought this up, because I just wanted to, like, add on a little thing um, to what you had said earlier. Like, just that, like, you, you said something about, like, the way that, like, they use space in this movie. Like, there's always a lot of, there's a lot of shots that, like, I think in most movies would be close-ups on these two kids. But, like, instead will be, like, a wide shot where you can see, you know, both like what's happening on this actor's face like what he's thinking about and also you know like the wait staff nearby or the servants or something you know yeah um, um that's all which is more or less what you had said i just wanted to like yeah <laughs> yeah um do we want to rate the stairwell yeah there's um, not a ton of stairwells in this film no. since a lot of it is a road movie but there there was a prominent one that's probably going to be the cover yeah there is um a uh, a moment of um the the woman who raised um tinoch um I had to remind myself what the what was the right thing and what was the wrong thing that I've been saying. <laughs> um the the you know, the the servant um who basically raised Sinoch, who he called mom for like until he was like five, I think they say. Um like she's you know, um coming up the stairs um and then like i made you your favorite you know turkey sandwich or whatever um um doing like motherly shit while he's just kind of ignoring her to like smoke weed and listen to really bad turn of the century rap music <laughs> so bad um, <laughs> the guy the hook is just a guy says tiburon tiburon <laughs> <laughs> made me laugh a lot just a guy saying shark <laughs> um i don't know why it really got me but um yeah that's the stairwell scene is like her like walking up to his bedroom um to like serve him and that's motherhood to him is like a woman who serves him who is paid to serve him yeah um it it is also kind of it's one of the more extended ones, but it is also kind of one of these scenes that we're talking about where it will like follow a a servant or like, you know, a person who's just working in the space where they are or whatever. Um it's one of the ones that is slightly more prominent in part because of like this being, you know, who we called mom as a kid, but um Yeah, I don't know if you if if you have immediate impressions on the quality of the stairwell. I want to lean toward like a. I want to lean toward like a B, but I. I could go. I could go like B plus, B minus, like C plus somewhere in that range. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's I a good looking go above a B plus. Yeah, it's a good looking stairwell, and like, the shot is about the things that the movies are about, 
that the movie is about. It reinforces that like theme, but like the stairs, it's themselves don't really play into that. So, yeah. Um, I feel like I could just do a B. Okay, I'll just give it a straight B. Oh, I replaced the movie title with a B. <laughs> oh, Christ. What did I do? Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, emails. We have one email, right? We have two emails. One of one email oh. came in during my internet problems. I'll forward it to you now. Uh, okay. But our first email is from Nora. That's my wife. I'm married to her. I love her. Wait, since when? Um, June. <laughs> I've done this joke before. Oh, have you? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't listen to you. Um, I've noticed. <laughs> um but nora asks what's your favorite movie with a number in the title with the caveat that the number does not refer to the movie's place in a series this came up because nora was looking at my letterboxd and saw super 8 and 10 cloverfield lane on the same page and was like thinking about that um i know nora just really likes 10 cloverfield lane that's just one of her favorite movies um what what would i pick here i don't even know i'm i'm looking at my letterbox right now room 237 is a contender off off the top of my head room 237 is a very good movie um it's a dumb movie it's a very dumb movie but i like it um i i still need to watch and see if it's the one that i'm thinking about but technically yakuza grand high it, Yakuza is three numbers. Um, <laughs> I'm rolling my eyes so hard <laughs> at you right now. <laughs> um, also, technically, Ichi the Killer. I don't know if I would say that's my favorite number, my favorite movie with the number, but Ichi is just one. Um, yeah, let me let me look at my list. Um, um, scrolling through scrolling i i through. think that yakuza garantai they write it with the the numbers okay for that movie okay um, um i feel like this is a more recent thing like i can't i guess the seventh seal you know what it's the seventh seal no it's cleo from five to seven it's cleo from five to seven that's the one that's it um that yeah that's a good one um, i i was like yeah um the seventh seal is also a very good movie but uh cleo from five to seven my god also they're kind of about the same thing a little bit not really yeah <laughs> um 2001 a space odyssey is up there for me um mm, just 2001 a, a so very good. aesthetic film 2001 the third so man do we count third the third man i'd That's say so one. if we're gonna count the seventh seal we can count the third man yeah Seven Samurai. Seven Samurai. Great movie. With a you know what's a title. great fucking movie is Seven Samurai. I don't know if you've ever heard this. <laughs> Listeners, I'm going to be the first person to tell you Seven Samurai is a good fucking movie. <laughs> this uh, little known movie uh, from a very obscure director. Uh, probably haven't heard of him. Um, 
yeah i f- i feel confident with that with those those are that's a good assortment yeah um, i would watch any of those movies tonight i would not watch seven, seven samurai Sam- <laughs> do you want to watch seven samurai tonight <laughs> i would not watch seven samurai tonight why don't you want to watch seven samurai with me tonight uh it's only it- 12 30 <laughs> Um. <laughs> now I don't know if you know this, but Seven Samurai is famously an exceptionally long movie. <laughs> it is over three hours. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. I tweeted a photo of my VHS copy of Brillan Alexander plots. Two hundred and seven minutes. That's jump change. <laughs> Crystal my, my asks eight VHS copy. Anyway. Crystal asks, "What is the best moment in an or- in an ornate stairwells film for a character to start reading Garfield aloud?" <laughs> um, I think if Rebecca Del Rio came on stage and started reading Garfield aloud, no, hey, Bonda. <laughs> <laughs> no hey gato. <laughs> um Yeah. I <laughs> You got it in one. I I'm looking and I'm like, no, that's the best. <laughs> Literally she... everything else is the same, but instead of singing, she just reads Garfield aloud and then dies as the audio continues to play. <laughs> This was the moment I saw this email. I knew it. it. Like sometimes I have, I get emails and I have to be like, "Is there a moment in the Hunger that would be funny? Is there a moment in Angels of the Universe?" Uh, there's, there's one other moment. What's the very what's, end? <laughs> the very end of Der Himmel über Berlin. <laughs> when instead of delivering the monologue that she delivers, she. <laughs> um, if instead she just read that day's Garfield aloud, do it. I was I just saw that too, but I was thinking of a different direction with it where I was thinking about um because so much of that movie is like them um like you know they'll walk past someone and hear their thoughts and if someone is just thinking about <laughs> their thoughts are just reading Garfield aloud in German and then you just get like Bruno Gantz just staring very contemplatively at this person who is thinking very contemplatively about Garfield. I think that would be good. The but I think you had the better one. Is light blue. Um <laughs> and the wall behind is a is sort of a a high saturation, like hot pink color. <laughs> How do we feel? This is going to be my last suggestion, but I still think the Rebecca Del Rio one is, like, good. (laughs) It is. That's Uh, the best one. My last suggestion is um, in Red Peony Gambler 3, instead of her singing a song as she gets ready to murder people, (laughs) um, she's, like, walking toward them and reading Garfield aloud. (laughs) Um, That would also be fantastic. Um, Yeah. Um, All right. Good question. Thank you, Crystal. Thank you, Crystal. Um, we've <laughs> I'm already still just thinking about Rebecca Del Rio. <laughs> <laughs> the moment the email arrived, 
Like, I did not have to think about, like, which movie would be funniest. Like, I didn't have to think about it at all. That idea just came to me from on high. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Um, we've already picked our movie for next time. Um, we have. Shouts out to Rick for, you know, tracking this movie down for us. Um, yeah. It's Hibari no Mori no Ishimatsu. Um movie you've talked about a couple times is like, like Yakuza movie that is like playing around with a lot of like gender stuff and like actors who uh, are in drag or are known to be in drag and stuff like that so yeah um, it'll be a very fun time um, I'm excited I'm so hyped <laughs> I hope I, I hope that I haven't overhyped it but um, it's also just I feel like you have an idea in your head of like what a Yakuza movie is. And I'm just excited for you to watch this one. <laughs> yeah, and- no, I'm not like, I'm not like, oh, this is going to be the most, you know, like. I have the most reasonable expectations that like, ah, oh, yeah, someone's going to sing a song and then people will die. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I have the most, like, middle-of-the-road expectations for, like, this just being a good one of these, like, formula movies, you know? Yeah. Um, what what I think will be interesting as we go into it is the way that, at one, it is just literally the formula, and at the same time, you're like, wow, they just really did that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and then, yeah, we'll start on halloween stuff um after that so look forward to that everybody um it's it's what export dot export export dot io slash stairwell quality yes until then where could people go if they wanted to see um someone read garfield aloud to them um they could go to fox mom nia on tiktok (laughs) Um, it was such a delight on twitter (laughs) it's such a delight opening tiktok the other day and you didn't tell me you were going to start putting garfield read aloud on on tiktok so i just was like (laughs) scrolling my feed and then there you were reading garfield aloud it was just such a treat (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i I've gotten like a couple followers on TikTok that are people that I don't know um, after I've started doing this. But also today, I don't know what happened, but within like the last, like there was a five hour period where I got five new followers on the Twitter account and I don't know why. <laughs> um, yeah. You can also um, follow me at FoxWomnia on Twitter. That's that's my main account. Also, listen to Ghost Divers. ExportOdd.io slash Ghost Divers. It's about anime. Have you heard of anime I, before? Also, I just wanted to say, I was really cracking up the one where you're just, like, eating chips very loudly. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a couple days ago. You just, yeah, I started eating a chip. <laughs> yeah. You start with your face like an inch from the camera as you're shoving a chip in your mouth. It just really fucking caught me. Um, I think I'm also drinking a beer during that one. (laughs) 
Um, you can find me on Twitter at a tub underscore coffee. You can listen to all the other podcasts uh, by going to exportaud.io. You could go to exportaud.io slash exportaudio to listen to um, Export Audio, a podcast that I do with my wife. Um, and we just had M on to do an episode, and it was a lot of fun. We just kind of bullshitted mm-hmm. for an hour, and it was great. Um, yeah. I still can't believe you're like, maybe when we move to Chicago, we can drive out to Champaign, Illinois to go to a wiener schnitzel. I... <laughs> <laughs> As if we don't have literally like 2,000 hot dog stands in the city. <laughs> I love my wife so much. And if she wants to go to this hot dog place in Champaign, <laughs> Illinois, I will support her. Um, I don't know why she would want to do that, but it's not my place to ask why. It is my place to support her. You don't have to get hot dogs Chicago style in Chicago. You can just get a hot dog in a bun. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel about chili dogs? I um, This was like something that we didn't talk about in the export at all. Um, I don't really like chili dogs very much. It's one of those where there are other toppings that I think I would in- enjoy a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, chili as a topping... Is just a thing that is like chili is like such a a pungent flavor, like it's such a like prominent flavor mm-hmm. that like whatever you're putting it on is is just like it's chili now that you're just eating with some sort of delivery vessel in right. my mind. Right. Um, and so I kind of like it because I like chili, but like it's. If I want a hot dog, I'm not going to get a chili dog. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah that makes sense. I'm going to get a chili dog if I want chili, and I'm at a hot dog stand with my friend who really wants hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I feel like... <laughs> yeah, because, like, I do feel like, you know, a Chicago-style, like, put fucking everything on it, put the whole fucking house on this hot dog. Like, I feel like that highlights the the meat a little more, I think, than, you know, a chili dog, which a chili... Chili brings its own meat to the party. There's more <laughs> yeah. meat if you get a chili dog. Um, anyway, um, Molly is telling us to wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, people can write into x 4 audiopodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. We always forget to say this, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can write in to export audio podcast gmail.com you can also this is free you don't you know this doesn't cost you a dime you can tell your friends hey i heard you like you know criterion movies i have friends that do a podcast about uh criterion movies we do other stuff but like that's the easiest way i think to pitch people on what this show is um you can say m from abnormal mapping said that it's a good podcast so <laughs> I feel tell like I said friends. mapping really weird there. Anyway. <laughs> tell your friends that this is a good movie podcast and they should listen to it. Um you know, tweet about how this is your favorite movie podcast on the Citadel. Um <laughs> No, I'm ending this podcast. Okagoro is real. No, I was oh, damn, you caught on to me. I was trying to like 
come up with more bullshit to like keep this podcast going against your will but you caught on oh <laughs> um i mean you still haven't said okokoro is real so until you say it this podcast is still happening i don't usually say it who I keeps usually... interrupting you on podcasts by the way I, <laughs> you still haven't told me this <laughs> It usually is just you that I, says I it. just want to know so I can kick their ass. <laughs> like, I think it's really rude that someone keeps interrupting you. You didn't interrupt me even once today. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> that I'm pretty sure that's a lie. I don't think you did. I think I interrupted you once or twice. Um, I mean, we sometimes we interrupt each other. That's what a conversation is. Sometimes you can, like, see someone's live and I think I interrupted you once to just, like, say a thing that you were already saying, um, but, yeah, it's fine. It happens. This is what podcasts are. Oh. (laughs) I'm just posting now. I'm just in the Discord posting. Um, this is a picture of a fox yawning. Yeah. In the snow. So... It's a red fox, which is not fully accurate to me, but it is in the snow. Yeah. So that's accurate. Okokoro is real. Okokoro is real. Now there's going to be ten more minutes <laughs> of music. <laughs> I'm stopping recording. Bye.
I guess, like, I have another, like, broader point about the movie that, like, I don't want to, like, is, like, unrelated. So if we had more to talk about, like, in the, what we're talking about now, like, we should do that, I guess. I No, I'm I'm okay with moving on. Um, um, yeah, I just grew up poor. Because the other thing I was thinking kind of about, I guess, was just that, like, I think it would be very easy for, like, the the twist at the end. Oh, that, no, did my um, internet die? She had cancer the whole time. I think, like, it'd be very oh, no. easy for that to feel like a cheap, like, low blow. Like, you know, the sort of, like... Oh, I didn't hear Nia because I am mm. not connected to the internet right now. Um, I guess I will go reset my internet. Oh? Huh. I'm assuming my internet's died. Unless Autumn's internet died. That's possible. Hmm. Just gonna go to Heathcliff. Go comics.com slash Heathcliff. My internet's working, so I'm gonna send did your internet die? I'm kind of surprised that Autumn's internet died. I thought it was mine. Um So today, um Heathcliff and um, the the little kid and the mom. I actually don't know the names of the Heathcliff characters because I don't read Heathcliff aloud normally. Um, I've had to learn the names of all the Garfield characters because I do Garfred aloud. But anyway, the the like kid and the mom that Heathcliff live at. They're all at the window. So the kid's wearing like red shirt with black stripes. Um, the mom white with um, like a <clears throat> pink cardigan. Um, and they're standing in the window. The background is, like, inside the house is just white. Um, windows kind of... So the frame with the top and the bottom are sort of a, a light brown. And then the the wall, like, the pan, the surface of paneling, but, like, the wall of the building um, is kind of, a, like, a beige color. And there's, like, a little bit of, like, a gray foundation. Um, and then the grass is obviously sort of, like, a grass green and then sky, sky blue. Um, it's kind of, there's like sky underneath uh, this giant speech bubble. Um, and there's, I guess it's a chipmunk, um, based on the, the, um, sort of text at the bottom. Um, but you know, it's sort of a, a light brown. It's like maybe slightly richer brown than the, the windowsill. Um, and then it has like a, an even paler, like kind of tan beige, like stomach and then like mouth um and is walking with like a, a handout singing um and there's like a again giant speech bubble that has um like a huge it's like the the notes that have the joining bar like the two notes with the joining bar with the the single bar not like the the double bar um and the text at the bottom says it's that baritone chipmunk so that so that's today's heathcliff um Oh, Autumn. Autumn's yeah, Autumn's internet died. 